Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend this hour with us. So I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and empower people, especially adults, to own their voice that come in so many different forms. So this space was created to talk with people with all different jobs, hobbies, and interests, and have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. One, how do you define creativity? Two, how do you incorporate it into your life? And three, why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to talk to musicians, Reiki masters, mediums, doctor, lawyer, real estate agents, and so many more. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as their soul's essence, courage, imagination, basically all that we are and wanna be. So sharing these stories expands one's thinking and opens up self-expression to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Lachelle Amos. Lachelle guides others to lead with their own innate intuitive heart wisdom in all areas of their life through embracing the transformative power of conflict. Blending science and spirituality, she holds a deep space for transformation. Lachelle, welcome to the space. Hello, can you hear me? I can. Hello. Okay, sorry. I was like, oh no, which button? <laughs> <laughs> where's that where's that button that says tap here? Yeah. Anyway, thank you. It's a it's a delight to be here this morning on this sub-zero snowy billings morning. <laughs> is, is it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's early there for you. It's 8 a.m. So thank you for waking up early to chat. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, and I want to welcome everybody that's here live. Thank you so much for being here. Please feel free to type in the chat any questions or comments as we go along so you can be part of the conversation. Um, hello, Regina. Hi, Regina. <laughs> so, Lachelle, I just read the tiniest slice about you. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself before we dive in? Yeah, certainly. Uh, so... I have a master's in international peace and conflict resolution and uh, a good number of years of experience as a country director for different peace building, um, development and humanitarian assistance organizations, nonprofits. Um, I've worked in five, six, I have to count it again, <laughs> different regions around the world. Um, and all of that blends together with my um, advanced yoga certification and sound healing work that um, I trained with a third generation Tibetan master in Nepal, where I lived the better part of the last six years before returning back to the U.S. Um, last summer. So all of that combines together in a variety of different fashions, but um, I primarily concentrate on heart wisdom, life and leadership coaching, and conflict transformation consulting. And so that conflict transformation bit 
obviously comes through in the in the heart wisdom work that I do with individuals one on one. Uh, but the consulting element comes in also with working on more of an organizational level. So working with entrepreneurs, um, beginning this year to uh, expand into working with different corporations and nonprofits mm. as well. Mm. So much that you're doing, so much amazingness in the world. And um, as you were talking, I'm like, conflict, peace, resolution, yoga. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. this connection of just beyond the outer, the inner, the all of that that goes on and how it works together. Yes, that's part of the beauty of it. Because, um, and that's what, when, when you talked in the bio about blending like science and spirituality, so it's like blending Western and, and Eastern philosophies and um, because, and it goes way beyond that too, but um, it just, with conflict transformation, the reason why I say conflict transformation instead of um, conflict resolution, I mean, conflict resolution is the, the larger window uh, umbrella of um, um, resolving conflict. Like there's lots of different ways that you can resolve conflict. So within that, um, I focus on the conflict transformation component. And that's because transformation is like that long lasting change. You know, changes are these small little things. We experience change every day, like uh, whether we want to or not, <laughs> we all experience change in different ways. Um, it's just how we, how we embrace it. But the transformation is those really sustainable, long-lasting, like big impact changes. So my focus on conflict transformation is really about um, embracing the transformative power of conflict. And by that, I mean it's partly in how we view conflict. So there's a bit of the mind shift transformation, mindset transformation. Uh, but then it's also in terms of like, realizing it's not just these big scary or like it's i mean it's not just angry aggressive kind of conflict or violence it it's way beyond that um because conflict also is you know this tension that we might feel um in our body or you know this slight misalignment that you know we really want to follow our heart's desires but the practicality of our day-to-day -day is leaving us conflicted we often say like we feel conflicted right so um, conflict transformation is, a, I would say, a, a certain subset of um, conflict resolution writ large. Yeah, I'm really, this is like so deep and so rich. Um, yeah, we're definitely going to do a deeper dive. But first, we're going to uh, start with something a little bit lighter, and then we'll do a deeper dive. So um, we're going to do a would you rather. So hello, Kelly. Welcome to the space. Um, hello, Okay, so Lachelle, mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear what you think on this because you're a traveler here. So, okay. <laughs> okay. Would you rather have your flight be delayed by eight hours or lose your luggage? <laughs> I would rather have the flight delayed <laughs> because <laughs> I have had my luggage lost before and that is not fun. <laughs> um, I'm sure you did. I was like, I want to find out her answer on this. Yeah, go ahead. You were going to expand. Yeah, I mean... You know, especially being a, an entrepreneur, there are so many ways that I could put those eight hours to good use. And yeah, it might be a, an inconvenience and I may need to rearrange my schedule a little bit, but it's part of going with the flow of life and um, I can still maximize that time to, to the extent possible. 
But to have the luggage lost, like <laughs> I was actually just sharing this story that um, just the other day with uh, some with someone, a fellow traveler. Um, I mean, I think the most epic luggage loss story that I have is the first time that I ever went to Iraq because I used to work in Iraq. And in 2007, it's the first time I'd ever been in the Middle East. And I was working with a, a small um, women's rights organization for a couple of months um, between the two years of grad school. And um, <laughs> so many lessons learned from, from the experience, but essentially what happened was that the um, a week before I was set to return back to the US, there was a missile shot at a passenger airliner in, um, in Iraq. And it meant that the airport that I was supposed to fly out of was closed and all of the air traffic was um, routing through a different airport, which was two, uh, about two hours drive away. But there were two ways to get from the city I was in to the other city. And one of them went through uh, um, a high mountain pass and the other one went through a hot spot, like a conflict zone. And... Um, you know, the flights were these red-eye flights, and I didn't speak the language at the time, and I didn't even have a functioning phone because I had to return the SIM card back to the organization um, that I was working with. So, like, it was like getting on this bus, not knowing anyone, not speaking the language, not having communication, not knowing which direction we were going to be taking, and it was honestly very stressful. But uh, just to speed up the story, we ended up taking this rickety bus, ended up taking the high mountain pass for which I was very relieved. And we got to the city where we were flying out of. It was a madhouse because everything had been redirected there. So it took a while for me to figure out like where I needed to check in. And then I was the last one to check in on the plane. The lady hands me my tickets. They didn't even have my name. <laughs> like it was somebody else's name. And I was like, but this isn't my ticket. And she's like, don't worry about it. You just need to go. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay, so <laughs> I get to customs, which was the next step before it could actually board. And um, the official was like, no, you have to pay an exit visa. And like, here I was thinking the guy was trying to get more money out of me because I didn't know if it was legit or not. So I'm having this argument with the customs official. And anyways, I paid the last amount of money that I had, which was like barely enough, and then had to run through the airport. So I get to the gate. And this is um, back in the day for that airport where like there was no bridgeway. Like you couldn't just go onto the plane directly. Like you had to go onto the runway, onto the jetway. And um, so I literally had to run across the jetway with the permission of the airport officials, of course, to get to the plane. And then I finally get on the plane, the last person on. And I can just feel the tension. And I'm like, oh, something is not right. And I had specifically booked that... Uh, flight because I speak German. And so then I was like, okay, at least I can pick up on what's going on. Right. And so at one, finally, at some point, the uh, pilot comes on and speaks in German and says um, that the plane was too heavy and it was too hot. So if it got like two or three degrees hotter, we wouldn't be able to take off. So either 30 people had to get off of the plane or all of the bags had to get off of the plane. And of course, like with all the chaos of, of the rerouting, like no one wanted to get off of the plane. So they took all the bags off. Um, and then we were finally able to take off, which was a relief. But then that means that like 
the entire plane didn't have their luggage. Um, yeah. oh my God. It was, it was, yeah, but it gets, it gets even more because then I get into to Germany, right? And I was the only person on that flight that was continuing on to the U.S. Everyone else was going elsewhere in Europe. And so it's a small little German airline. And I figured they would work with different agreements, um, other airlines to be able to get my bags back to D.C., which is where I was living at the time. And um, there was nothing I could do about it. Like, I just had to let it go. It was completely out of my control at that point. And I get into D.C. super delayed. Like, I got into Germany really delayed, so I had to reschedule my flight, got into D.C. delayed. And I had originally booked my travel to travel out to visit family in Colorado the day after I arrived. But because of all of the delays, I get in. I had to literally go home because I had no bags. So I had to go from Dulles Airport, had to go home, pack a bag as quickly as I could because I was flying out in a few hours from Reagan because of the delay. So I barely made my flight. And then literally, like I was calling the airline once a week, trying to get my bags back, figuring out what was going on, like reminding them that I'm still there and they still have my bags. And um, the German authorities had quarantined all the bags because they had arrived unaccompanied from Iraq. Oh and God. literally three months later, I received my bag in the post with a postage label smacked on the bag. Like the bag wasn't even wrapped. It was just a postage label on the bag three months later. And amazingly enough, everything was still inside it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk about resolution and I I just want to know like before we go further like how like how much time went by on all of this? It seems like it went on for days but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it it was a very delayed process, yes. Um like yeah, and that's a, I mean, that's, you, you said talk about resolution, right? And that's a, a huge part of it too is like, okay, can I do anything about this? No. So do I need to worry about this? No. Because <laughs> yeah. somehow I'll figure it out later or things will come together in their own way, but it's not going to do me any good to stress out about it right now. And I think that we are going to have so many nuggets throughout this conversation, but listeners, grab that. Because yeah. that is so freaking important, right? It's ask yourself, can I do anything about it? So don't worry about it. Because we spend so much time in fear. We send, spend so much time in that space, which takes up so much energy and then stops so many other things from happening. Yeah. It uh, just when it I, feels bad. Yeah, absolutely. When I was 11, I, I remember um, hearing this expression. It stuck with me. Like it made such an impression. Um, life, uh, worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't go anywhere. Mm. Yep. 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 Okay. So that was a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Oh my yeah, God. Long tangent. <laughs> I loved it. See, I knew when I picked these questions, they're intuitive hits. So I, they usually lead to, you know, this whole aspect that I never would have heard otherwise. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. That story's going to stick with me all day. So, okay. So Lachelle, how do you define creativity? Ah. Uh, yeah. So creativity, I think in, um, in the shortest answer that I can give, creativity is actualizing our potential. And what I mean by that is that it's like really creativity is 
kind of bringing our heart's desires into reality mm. is the, the, the shortest way to say that. Um, our hearts are these amazingly strong center points. And, um, and this is where some of the science comes into. Like our hearts are 5,000 times electromagnetically stronger than our brains. So when you think of it that way, and all of the sensory neurites, they're like the little neuro, they're little versions of the neurons that we have in the brain. Um, our hearts are like our CEOs, and our brains are intended to just be the COOs because our brain is the operating center. It communicates the uh, to the different parts of our body and sends out the the different hormones based on what the nerve signals are that it's receiving. So if our hearts are the CEO of our body, then creativity is creating, like it's, it's actualizing the potential of our hearts. And I believe like through the heart wisdom leadership, I talk about um, that intuitive, the innately intuitive voice of our soul, right? And so when we tune into our hearts, we physiologically are bringing, um, we are syncing together our heart rhythm with our brain waves and allowing all of our major organs to come into that same smooth rhythm. And if we just stay up in our brains, then we are disconnecting our heart from our other major organs. And it's when we stay up in the head that we have the most challenges with creativity, right? Like in order to really get into a flow, you have to drop into the body and coming into the heart, like breathing in and out of the heart is one of, I believe, one of the best ways to do that um, because it is actually drawing together and training all of our different body systems onto the same, same wavelength. And that allows us to really tune into not just what our dreams and desires are, but also, you know, like that following of our heart, right? Uh, but then it's also about being able to hear our intuition in a different way. Because when we have that relaxed, slow brainwave, um, or, you know, like, um, I'll save that for later. I was gonna, I was gonna talk about, there's a whole other brainwave that's like really high up there, but that's for like really deep, intense meditation that's mm -hmm. been found in um, Tibetan monks. Um, but uh, yeah, when we're, when we're in that relaxed, slow brainwave, we can just function so much better. <laughs> our, our nervous yeah. system is calmer. Our immune system is therefore um, reinforced. All of our different body systems are um, operating with the energy levels that they need. And so from a, a um, a mental, emotional, and physical body um, perspective, we can bring the most potential to our uh, to what we want to create when we're in that heart-centered state. Yeah, yeah. As you were saying, all those wonderful things that you were just saying um, before, you said intuition. That's what kind of came on strongly. Is like when we are leading from our heart, when we're in that space then the intuition we're much more open to, we're much more aware and open to receiving. Mm -hmm. Would you say that there's a, a time basically to be in the head as opposed to the heart? 
I mean, our hearts are this like amazing connecting points, right? So our our hearts connect together. they, they connect us more deeply with ourselves. They connect us with others. I mean, especially if you look at, for example, if you look at um, some of the charities that like Helping Hands or like a lot of service-oriented uh, nonprofits, when they're in their emblems or their logos, many of them have either hearts or hands or arms extending out from hearts. And it's because the hands and the arms are extensions of our hearts, right? So it's through our hearts that we connect. But I, I would say that in the space of, or like in the examples of when it's important to be really in, in the head is like if you're in a survival situation or you're in a situation where, you, you know, like something just doesn't feel right, um, you definitely want to still be able to bring that calmness in to your body. Uh, but there's... I mean, it's, it's not like, hmm, okay, I'm just, I'm thinking. So I had this image of uh, like every, all of the energy, like going up into the head. Um, and it's not like it's either or. It's about finding the balance. And our heart yeah. is, it's that center point. The heart is the balance point. And so when we're in our hearts, we're actually like maximizing the potential of, of yeah. our mental body as well. Because if yeah. we're only putting energy into our thoughts, um, we're not weighted down in uh, like we, we're not grounded rather um, in, in reality. So um, I think the, the thing that it, I love the question that you just asked, though, because what it, it kind of reflects in a way that especially in our uh, current society and current times, like a lot of people, when they hear, oh, be in the heart, like the heart has somehow taken on this like weakness or softness, not necessarily weakness, but a softness. Um, And that's just not true. Um, Because how much harder is it to actually show up as your authentic self, to actually voice your desires or your your dream, like to stand up for your dreams when other people don't believe that you can do it or don't believe that you should do it, right? Like, so to actually show up for what your intuition is calling you towards and what you deeply dream and desire, that takes vulnerable courage. And that's a heck of a lot harder than um, just staying in this like analytical, rational, um, you know, uh, like trying to overthink or overanalyze and um, you know, there, there's a, there's a balance when we're in our heart where we're able to draw together. It's that connection point, right? So from a, a yogic perspective, if we look at like, or like a more spiritual perspective, um, if we talk about like the divine feminine and the divine masculine, um, the masculine is that like logical, analytical, um, very driven kind of side of us. And the, the feminine is more like the flow or the creative or, um, you know, these kinds of things. But really, we are maximizing our greatest potential when those are balanced. And um, the heart being this balance point, the center point, we can come into that balance when we're in our hearts. Mm. Yes. And it's not weak. That's not what, at all. That's what you, I, like, that really resonated 
Because it's kind of like, oh, you get this, you know, go to your heart, go to your, like, it's not a space of just this soft, fluffy, it's, it's, it's power. <laughs> yeah. It's power yeah. to go to that space. Can you please remind me, because I love how you said this, because um, a friend enlightened me to the fact that with the, all of the chakra points, that each chakra point has one color that's associated with it, but the heart actually has two colors, pink and green. Mm-hmm. And you gave a different kind of twist on it. If you could share that, I would appreciate it. Yeah. So the, the pink is... Um, very often associated with the higher heart and the higher heart is more um, fr- like from that energetic, from the chakra perspective. So chakra in Sanskrit means revolved disc or wheel. And it's basically like the energy, one of its energy center in the body. So the, the higher heart is more associated with that connection to our soul and the, the green of the, the heart or anahata, which um, actually translates from the Sanskrit as unstruck sound, which I'll just add in really quick because it's, I, I love this. Unstruck sound is the primordial sound. Like it's om or the amen, or, you know, it's like that ah sound of the heart. But that unstruck sound is the sound that exists without two or more elements having to come together to actually make it. Um, and that heart point, uh, the anahata, is like that larger, kind of more, uh, more based in in this life, like our more of our like physical reality. I mean, it obviously being the connection point, the balance point, it, it connects into all that. But that traditionally is considered green, and the higher heart pink. Uh, but just commonly, um, people will. I mean, because that goes into a lot more detail to explain. Like a lot of people will say pink or green, but that's also because everyone experiences the colors a little bit differently. So not everyone experiences it exactly the same. I mean, it's taught that certain chakras come with certain colors, but some people may experience that differently and that's perfectly okay. Like there's not necessarily that right or wrong. It's how, it's how you experience it in that moment. Ooh, I have never heard that before. So the root chakra to somebody might be purple as opposed to red. Well, so like, for example, I, I've worked with clients before who um, like the solar, the solar plexus is traditionally yellow, but some of my clients before in the sound healing work that I do have experienced it as red. And um, like, mm, there are different reasons that could be like, I'm, um, anger is a central issue of the solar plexus and um you know depending on like what's underlying the anger maybe it's more of a survival or a family issue i don't know there's lots of different ways you could get into it if you look at it from a color therapy perspective like the colors have frequencies and so that's why it's taught a certain way because um the I mean, it's like the colors of the rainbow, right? The chakras traditionally, they reflect that. And so that reflects um, the frequencies or the sound waves that each has. Um, But even in different traditions, it comes across a bit differently. So um, there are bija mantras or seed syllables that are taught in um, some of the ancient yogic texts that correspond to different... um, chakras and um 
that shows up a bit differently in different traditions. Like in the Hindu tradition, you have one set of bija mantras, but in the Tibetan tradition, you have a different one. And even when you look back through some of the ancient yogic texts, there are actually some that show up um, that, that share different colors with different chakras. Like I can't remember exactly which chakra it was, but there is a Kundalini text that is like thousands of years old um, that actually talks about a, a black being a color associated with it. So there's a lot of variability to it. And that's also why I say there's no right or wrong. It's how are you experiencing it in that moment? Because that's a lot more important than what someone else may say based on an ancient or a more modern text. So again, that kind of translates to me translates to me it's like uh listen to yourself it's tuning into that heart yes and seeing yes. how you translate just because it's said that things are one way doesn't mean that there's flexibility um in this and i i uh, appreciate what um someone just said is we all radiate at different frequencies yeah yeah that's true and and that varies um from from moment to moment, right? And the 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 freak, we all have different um, life purposes. I mean, for our souls, right? And so there's a different um, ah, this is, this is amazing. I actually just thought of this, uh, remembered this story this morning, and I was like, wow, I haven't thought of that in years. Uh, but it's so relevant to that to this very point because, um, for example, I remember um, when I was in India studying for my uh, 500 hour yoga teacher training. Um, we, there was a guy who came in, um, and he, I mean, it, it was actually like on the side, but, um, he offered to like, um, do a, an auric reading for us. And I remember like being this relatively young yoga teacher, <laughs> um, this guy did his reading and he said, Oh, you'll always, you'll always be in the heart. And I remember at the time, and there's so much ego in this, and this is where the like the brain, like like really coming into the mind came in, because mm -hmm. I remember thinking at the time, like, what this guy's trying to tell me that I'm never going to be enlightened. Like, what does he know? <laughs> and, you know, but like the more the more I tuned into my own heart wisdom over the years, the more I also learned that like the heart is this amazing center, and like love is the highest vibration of everything, and um. I, I put so much judgment in that moment on his statement that like it was it was my perception of a judgment as well, but it might not have been there at all from from what he was saying. But I definitely placed a lot of judgment in that moment. Love is the highest vibration that we have. And so our emotions, just like colors, our emotions also hold frequency. So there, so that vibration that we have is also going to depend largely on what our dominant emotional, uh, our dominant emotion is in any moment. God, that's so freaking powerful. And um, yes, thank you for commenting. What a beautiful compliment. It's, it's yeah. like you said, it's so interesting how the ego gets in the way. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. You're saying <laughs> yeah. I'm soft. You're saying that I'm not like, <laughs> that I'm, I'm not a good, you know, I'm, I'm not going to achieve this or that or this or that. And, and, Meanwhile, he was giving you the highest compliment, but we, yeah, we get yeah. in our own ways and we don't see that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's also why it's uh, important not to let the brain kind of be our main driving force. <laughs> mm -hmm. There we go. 
<laughs> in short, that just proves everything. Yes, lead with your heart. Lead with your heart. Oh my God, we could have like a three-hour conversation on all of this. Um, because there's so many questions that I have and I want to say, but let's kind of lead in. I think other things will kind of flow and guide in as we kind of discuss more about how you incorporate more creativity into your own life. Yeah, it's a great question. So in terms of, well, I, I will very readily admit that, um, you know, so, sometimes I still get stuck in my head and, and, um, revert back to that conditioned belief that creativity must be something that is, um, you know, like artsy or music or whatever, um, how, how, how we, how so many of us have been conditioned to understand creativity as children. Um, and yeah, those are moments, um, to pause and reflect and really check in with where I am. Um, you know, as I tune in more to that heart wisdom, then incorporating that creativity is a it's a, a very regular process. Like it's more frequent than than daily because it is about connecting in. Am I really aligning with my values? Am I aligning with my desires? Am I taking actions towards my dreams and what I have focused my my visioning on? Um how, how does that show up in my every day? Well, when I create programs, when I write, uh, like I'm, I'm working on, um, I actually have two different solo books that I'm working on right now. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, one, one is a, a memoir based on my, my travels, so the journey to becoming a heart wisdom leader. And then the other one is, um, um, more recent and uh, a bit closer to my heart, uh, navigating the, the waves of grief. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, so it shows up in the writing, right? It shows up in the intuitive sequencing of my yoga classes when I teach them. It shows up in allowing myself to be that intuitive channel when I do sound baths because it's just opening my, it's opening up in a way that allows me to play what comes through intuitively by feeling into the energy of my client or the group or the collective, depending on like when I'm doing the sound bath and what the intention of it is. Um, I mean, there are just countless ways that the creativity shows up in my life um, on a regular basis. So powerful. And again, that intuition, that intuitive aspect I love how you keep going back to it and talking about opening up. Um, we spend so much time being planners. So I guess being in that headspace. Mm -hmm. And I can say I like I raise my hand and be like guilty as charged um, as I am planning a lesson, you know, being an art teacher for 30 years and just being in all these spaces as I create these lesson plans. Um, I'll sit there and I'll get stuck. I'm like, okay, well, this and maybe this or maybe that or I don't know should it be this or and I kind of work myself up in a way that isn't necessarily good I start stressing myself out whereas the lesson plan and all of that can help with the structure but when being in the space so often I'm like grateful for the structure in general but that into it changes all the time 
because yeah. you're feeling into the energy of what that specific group needs about where they are in that day. Maybe there was just an argument that happened before the kids walked into the class or the adults walked into yeah. the space. Maybe somebody's really hungry. Maybe somebody's, you know, you never know. There's so many variables of things that can happen. So you kind of intuitively feel into, okay, well, maybe I planned on doing this first, but maybe we need to do this first before we get to that because they're not ready for that. Yes. Yeah. Those are all beautiful examples. And I, it completely resonates with me as a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's essential to have both, to, ha to have that structure and to have the flow, right? The ability to kind of make, make changes on the fly as needed and like reading that energy of the room, like both of those things are essential. And, and those are also reflective of that masculine and like divine feminine and divine masculine, which is not intended to, to be polarizing in any way. Like all of us have both, uh, like we have the, like that, the structure is that analytical side, right? And the the flow, um, the ability to kind of pivot as needed is is more of what um, is considered part of that divine feminine side. But essentially it's these components that are necessary for, for all of us to have some element of. And I think in any moment um, we, I, I was certainly for myself, like I oscillate between being a little too structure oriented and being like so much like screw the structure. I just want to go with the flow. Like I have so much water in my astrological chart that like <laughs> sometimes it's really hard for me to find that structure. <laughs> so I can relate. <laughs> I totally related. It. It's like, I will like be brainstorming ideas and especially with my daughter. Cause she's very, um, kind of open to the back and forth, but also very honest at points. So I'll be like, well, well, then we'll do this and then we'll do that. She's like, mom, <laughs> <laughs> loosen up. Cause there's the Virgo side of me. That's like, okay, well we're planning this and we're planning that. And she's like, would you just stop and just <laughs> yeah. kind of like loosen up and just kind of go with it? I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> loosen up. But I think it's important to recognize that when we hear those reminders, just say thank you and move on. Don't beat ourselves up and don't be like, oh, my God, I'm so stupid. Why do I always do this? Because I've done that shame spiral for a long time. And if anybody can relate to that, put it there in the chat. That shame spiral doesn't do anybody any good. It's just like, OK, get over it. It's something that I want to flow into more, something I want to work that is a work in progress and just move on. Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of regularly coming back to our hearts as well. Because when we, um, when we allow that inner critic to kind of take charge, then we're holding ourselves back from activating our fullest potential. Um, so it's in the, these like moments of mindfulness where we can check in and have just enough self-compassion on days to be like, okay, I mucked that up. Now it's time to try again. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I, I reset, I am open. I love myself exactly as I am. And I step forward once more. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you. Yes. Mm -hmm. We just got in the comments. Um, you had to give love to ourself, our true self. Yes, definitely. Yeah. 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 So again, so much to explore. Like when we had our pre-chat, I just love things that you were saying about loving ourselves while embracing our shadows and 
there's so many yeah. deep concepts that we can dive into, but I do want to hear more about since traveling and being in other spaces has been such a large part of your experience. Um, and it's such an interesting journey of, of conflict resolution and like just all these, all these things that you've done and how they package together, how they flow together so beautifully. Um, tell us more about wherever you want to go with it, with your travel and then with the yoga and sound healing experience, like studying with the master that you said, um, where were you in Nepal? I was in Nepal. Yeah. Um, I, wow. I mean, <laughs> the, 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 the invitation that you just gave is so broad that I'm like, wait, how do I narrow that down? I know, um, I know. I have narrowed down in like five, 10 minutes so we can get to our last question. But I, I guess, I guess to, to kind of re wherever you want to go with it, but I just think it'd be great for people to hear about, um, just being in this space and being within a different culture and navigating all of this. I think the sound healing is just a, such a beautiful aspect. And I have to tell everybody that Lachelle and I just did this. I have to say, I thought it was amazing. <laughs> I thought so too. <laughs> and we've gotten good feedback on um, yeah. doodling and sound healing. And we're going to be taking it to another level um, and just doing it more. But this aspect of sound is it transforms a space. So whether you think about it in music, when you're feeling a certain feeling, if you're feeling, I know I, for speaking for myself, when I'm feeling overwhelmed or if I'm feeling happy or if I'm feeling excited, I resonate with music. So I put music on and those, that sound lifts me up and gets me moving. It gets me doing things. Um, but I would love to hear just since sound healing mm -hmm. is one of your jams. Um, yeah. However you want to share on anything that okay. I've said. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first thing that kind of came to mind was um, like with the sound, um, I've always been um, big into music, like music. I, I've noticed over the years that um, if I find myself in a bit of a funky mood and I reflect on like, have I actually like enjoyed any music in the last day or so? Like oftentimes the answer is no. Um, so mu music is like, it is a know, regulator is the word that comes to mind, which sounds a little mm. bit strict, but um, it helps me really to come into my heart. And part of that is also because um, we all receive our intuition in slightly different ways. Um, like there are different clairs, they're called the uh, clairs translate as, as um, clear, but clear audience is the dominant way that I receive my intuition, um, which is clear hearing. And so music and sound, like, like I'll receive messages through um, lyrics of a song. Like I'll just wake up with like a song that I haven't heard in years on repeat in my head. And um, when I sit with it in meditation or in, in free flowing journaling, I realize, oh, there's a message in this for me. So music has always been really key for me. Um, I played the flute competitively when I was younger. Um, so it's always been a part of my life. And when I moved to Nepal in 2014, I moved for a position as a country director with a British peacebuilding nonprofit. And um, I had never heard of the singing bulls before then. 
um, I was already um, regularly practicing yoga before I moved to Nepal. Um, but when I moved there, like, yeah, it just absolutely captivated me in a way where I was, I just knew that um, there was something more that I needed to understand about it. And so I sought out a teacher mm -hmm. um, to study with, and he, mm -hmm. he's a third generation Tibetan um, master. His grandfather was a shaman as well. Um, and so he teaches the, the Tibetan singing bowls, well, the singing Himalayan bowls, they're um, more commonly referred to nowadays um, from a Tibetan perspective. So it is a different orientation of note with chakra than the more traditional um, Hindu system is. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my, my intro. And then from there, like I studied with a teacher in India to um, get a slightly different perspective, helped me to add in tuning forks. So it ties together some of the traditional Chinese medicine, um, which there's a lot of overlaps, but there are also very different systems. And then I even studied with a um, former professional opera singer in Australia for the vocal components of sound healing. Um, sound is such an amazing way to work with uh, all sorts of, of different um, issues. So I have clients that come in looking just to get out of their heads, to be able to relax more. Um, some have come in mm -hmm. for uh, working on gaining mobility back in, um, in their toes after multiple surgeries on their feet. Um, one has come in working on digestive issues. And see, the thing is, like for, for the sound healing, this is part of why I love it so much. Um, you're working on multiple levels simultaneously. And that's, you know, like just a, a little side note, like with the conflict transformation, that's the same. It's working on multiple levels simultaneously. Mm -hmm. um, and so the sound, like you can be working on the mental, the emotional, both of those reflect in the physical body. So when someone comes in with a physical issue that they're wanting to resolve, there's also something going on on either one or both of those other levels. Um, and then you also like, I mean, you've got the spiritual level as well that the bulls can work on. So there's so many different ways that you can approach it. And I've expanded my sound healing in recent years to, um, include more native sounds as well. So I have some Cherokee in my ancestral line and last summer um, was able to um, acquire some a, a beautiful cedar flute that's Cherokee made as well as a mm -hmm. traditional rattle that's made from a, um, an antler and rabbit hide and a gourd. Um, so there's so there's so many ways to, to expand it. It's fascinating. Oh my gosh. I'm like sitting here, like I'm vibrating. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so many questions, so many things. I mean, what I just love about what you just said was, so it started out almost as like a curiosity. So you established that music has always been a thing that resonated. Mm -hmm. So then you're in this space and you had an experience with, with the bowls and you were like, yes, like this resonates. So you learned from this one person um, in Nepal. And then in India, you learn from another person who has like, there are some different systems, similarities, differences. Mm -hmm. And then from an opera singer and incorporating that, like listening, like what I'm hearing so much is that you were listening 
So you're listening to your intuition, but then listening to these people and thinking, oh, okay, now I want to talk to, you know, I want to learn from an opera singer and hear that aspect of things. And then reflecting and then bringing in Native American aspects. So there's all of these aspects that are true to what they are, but then you're creating your own. Yes, yes, absolutely. So um, a part of it is like, it's following those heart desires because the soul guides us through these heartfelt desires, right? So it, like, and that's also why our intuition can come through so strongly when we, when we tune into our heart. And so in each, in a lot of these different points, like, I mean, it wasn't my intention when I started studying in Nepal with a, this, um, singing bowl master. Like I didn't intend to be doing the work that I'm doing now. And I, I joke sometimes that like 10 years ago, if someone had said that this is what you're going to be doing in 10 years time, I literally would have laughed. <laughs> like right, It right? just would have seemed so foreign to me, but it was starting with, Oh, this is really interesting. Like this resonates like this. I, you know, like I, I feel this uh, affinity or this desire to learn more about this. And, you know, this is how we begin to create those potential right we open up doors and windows that expand to even bigger doors and windows and um the beauty of it is that you know we we are creating these paths ourselves and there's um so many different ways that we can take it and when we really tune into that that heart guidance then we um can yeah there's just there's so much beauty that unfolds like even in the challenges um there are key lessons and moments and realizations that come out of them you know like i i just say i i don't say that flippantly at all like last year was the hardest year of my life in so many ways um but i also am so grateful because for the experience not that i would ever wish it on anyone else but i'm so grateful because I experientially understand unconditional love in a way that perhaps would never have been possible without having gone through those experiences myself. Right. Right. I can't wait to read your books. (laughs) (laughs) I can't, I cannot wait to read your books and talk to you more about them. Um, Yeah. So much for people to learn and so much to share. Yeah, definitely. And and we all like, I mean, it doesn't take anybody special to be able to do that, right? Like we all have experiences that are very unique. We are all very unique beings um, because of our experiences and um, our ancestry and like all of these different components make us absolutely unique beings. And it means that we all have brilliant stories to share that will no doubt help somebody else in this very big and very interconnected world that we live in. Yeah. Yeah. The whole concept of connection. Um, I like how you said about, you highlighted that you never thought if somebody said to, to you a number of years ago that you'd be doing this, you'd be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, are you serious? Because I think that that's, it, it's not knowing the how. Um, we don't have to always know the how. I think that's what gets in our way. And that's what we create boundaries and blockages because we're asking, well, how is that going to happen? And yeah. we, we just have to be in the moment. And what you pointed out with just like learning, it's just like, okay, that interests me. So I followed the intuition and just kind of being in that space of doing it. That's yeah. what I highlight with 
the whole creative aspect piece when people are like, well, I don't have a creative bone in my body. It's like, well, yes, you do, because there are so many different, it's not about just drawing or painting. So what is that thing that you're drawn to that you want to learn more about? Uh, do you want to do more movement? Do you want to incorporate more movement? Do you like working with numbers? Do you like cooking? Do you like um, writing? Do you like using your voice and talking with people, these conversations, there's so much exploration and expansion that happens in these spaces. And it's giving ourselves the permission to step into it and to maybe not be good at it. Yeah. And if you're not good at it, it's that recovering perfectionist aspect. You don't have to be good at everything, but you can still like it. <laughs> And you yeah. can still do it. You could be like, I kind of suck at singing, but I enjoy singing, you know, with with more so my daughter will do it with me. We just sing really badly in the car. We just turn on a song and we yeah. just sing. And it doesn't have to be for anybody else. It can just be for yourself. So if you take away that pressure and just allow, and then maybe you're like, okay, I want to actually take singing lessons and get better at it or work on it, then great. But it doesn't have to be for that big angle it has to be for somebody else yeah absolutely and I would even add to that that um you know that inner critic like there in in yoga we the the goal like yoga um in Sanskrit the word yuj is where yoga comes from right and it yuj translates as union or oneness um and when we put those expectations or the judgments, the comparisons, the evaluations, the criticisms, when we place that on what we can and cannot do, we are limiting our potential because um, we are allowing the voice of the, the inner critic. We're allowing our ego to decide what's happening rather than actually tuning into that highest potential. And as a, as a recovering perfectionist, it took me a very long time to realize that because when, when I heard the word ego, I would think like, oh, someone who has hubris, right? Someone who thinks too much of themselves, right? But um, it's equally thinking too little of ourselves. Uh, wh whether, whether we think too much or we think too little mm -hmm. of ourselves, it's equally ego and it's equally limiting us from the vast potential that we have to create as as human beings mm. so freaking powerful so on that note let's move on to the third question which basically is it's kind of answered in that but i want to see if you're going to expand on it um why do you think creativity is important <laughs> yeah, uh, it's important because without it, like, oh, wow, I couldn't even, like, I wouldn't even want to think about what life would be without creative potential, right? Um, it would be very mundane and uh, a lower vibration. Like, I mean, if you think about the times in each of our lives where we've kind of held ourselves back for whatever the reason might have been, or we felt stuck or that we couldn't move forward, or we really wanted to uh, express ourselves in a different way, but didn't know how, or didn't feel that we had the resources to do it. Um, that 
holds us back from that potential that create like actualizing our potential and following our um our soul's guidance and our our heart wisdom our dreams i mean my life would be entirely different if i if i didn't make the decision after grad school to just i mean i i I was like, you know what? I'm I'm ready for this. I'm ready for something different. I'm I'm putting everything in this and I I didn't even have a job. I bought a one-way ticket. I started networking before I left. I continued networking once I arrived in in Jordan and after 3 months um, had a job through a contact five times removed. And a lot mm-hmm. of people was like, "Well, that's really brave." Um, and I would definitely have had people tell me, oh, that's really stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> would you do that? Um, but again, it, that's judgment, right? Like I felt that that's where, what I needed to do. And it like really like it's important because tuning into those heart guidance points, those, those like kind of waypoints um, help us to realize our fullest potential they require vulnerable courage. They require trust. And that trust is like, I mean, you could even call that faith, right? In a certain way, um, no matter what you believe in, in terms of a higher power uh, or even mm-hmm. just your higher self, it requires faith to take those steps sometimes. But if you really want to create your dreams and create your fullest potential, really have it flow in a beautifully structured way, right? Or or structured in a beautifully flowy way, however you want to look at it, right? Um, it requires those elements. And um, without that, there's so much um, potential for hopelessness and despair and um, fear. And I feel like that's a lot of what we're seeing in the collective right now. So as we tune back in individually to our hearts, we're actually creating a stronger um, energetic pull for the collective to actually tune into our hearts and connect in a whole new way that uh, releases the fear-based thinking that is so prevalent these days. Mm. Well, okay. Well, we're going to have to have, an- have another chat on so many <laughs> topics, but the one that you just said where I was like, that's a whole other conversation is what's considered brave and what's considered stupid. It's all perspective. Oh my gosh. Lachelle, can you please tell people how they can find you because they need to find you? How do they do that? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, there's a few different ways you can do that. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at info at silenceofsoundyoga.com. So my website is silenceofsoundyoga.com. I also have heartwisdomleadership.com. And uh, if you'd prefer more on the conflict transformation side, uh, you can also find my LinkedIn profile under my name, Lachelle Amos. Perfect. Oh my gosh, Lachelle, thank you so much. And before we officially say our goodbyes, is there anything, so many words were said, but is there anything you feel like you need to share before we go into the goodbyes? Mm, oh, nothing immediately comes through. Just, um, yeah, just thanking everyone that is tuned in, uh, be it during this live conversation or in the future. And uh, yeah, may you all find love and joy in the most delightfully unexpected ways.
Mm, I love it. Michelle, thank you so much for taking this hour to chat, especially so early in the morning, your time. Really, really, really appreciate you. Well, thank you, Hollis. This has been so much fun. So much fun. So again, thank you to those um, joining us here live and those catching the replay. We so, so, so appreciate you taking this hour. We know you could be doing a million other things and happy that you are tuning into this. Um, the space is all about inspiring each other, sharing stories and connection. I believe we have always needed this, but now we need it more than ever. So please like, follow, share, um, give feedback. You know how that works with the whole algorithm thing and all of that. So it gets out to more people because we need to lift each other up. And if you feel so inspired to share your story, I have a publishing house, Express Yourself Publishing, and currently am uh, filling my multi-author book, Invisible No More, Stepping Into the Spotlight. If it resonates, please reach out here and would love to connect. So Michelle and I are wishing you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, wherever you are in this world, and look forward to talking soon. So goodbye, everybody. Bye. Feeling inspired? There are so many ways to do things for you, to get yourself moving, to get your creative juices flowing, and to have fun. Check out I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing. Go to IamCreativePhilly.com, IamCreativePhilly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com, and check out the experiential kits. Check out Creative Shui which is all about creative inspiration and guidance. And for Express Yourself Publishing, there's so many multi-author book opportunities. So I would love to chat with you so much. Everybody has, everybody's creative. Everybody has a voice. Everybody has an expression. And I can't wait to meet you. Thank you so much for taking this hour to listen to our stories and share the energy. And I wish you a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in this world. Bye, everybody.